Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Fort Wayne Local Podcast. I'm your host, Jake McAfee. Today, we're joined by our special guest, local investor, Drew Wired. Drew, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. So, Drew, we're going to do a quick background, and then we'll jump in. So, uh, Drew was homeschooled growing up, um, later went on to get his doctor of pharmacy at Purdue in 2015. 2017, he got his MBA from Indiana Wesleyan, did his residency at uh, Parkview Health. He is currently the market clinical pharmacy director for uh, Lutheran Health. He has experience in buy and hold, flips, wholesaling, apartment investing, and a lot more. Um, he's also the host of the Fort Wayne Real Estate Investor Association, the Fort Wayne RIA one of the main reasons I want to have him on today. So uh, before we get started, what exactly does the market clinical pharmacy director do? Oh, it's, it's, uh, it's probably a fancier title than I deserve. Um, in, the, in the world of hospital pharmacy, there's, there's two branches, uh, the folks who get the drugs out the door, and then the folks who like round with physicians and write orders and, and do more of the clinical piece. And so I see, I oversee the clinical piece for um, our um, the main hospitals here in Allen County and then some of the surrounding hospitals and surrounding counties as well. Okay. Very nice. Very nice. Okay. Um, so before we get into all the, your background, as far as investing goes, can you give us kind of a quick snapshot of your um, uh, current portfolio right now, your real estate portfolio? Yeah, sure. So where I'm at today, um, I have about 40 doors um, and I say doors as opposed to buildings because some of those are duplexes or maybe triplexes, but um, and those are all here in Allen County at the moment. Um, you had mentioned some of our apartment syndications that we also work on. So I work with a group uh, known as White Haven, and we do syndications for apartment buildings in Phoenix, and we have about 500 units there. And of course, now I'm just a small piece of, of a larger collective there. But um, here in Fort Wayne, at the moment, we have about those 40 doors. And then I oftentimes will buy and sell properties just kind of depending on what the market's doing at the moment and, um, you know, what, what my goals at the moment are. Okay. I used to think I was a hardworking guy, man, but I don't know now. This is, um, so how did you get started in real estate investing? Like, why did you specifically pick real estate? Sure. I, I'll give you kind of two answers and I'll try to make them pretty concise, but I, I've always kind of been interested in real estate investing. Um, I, it's not in my background as far as like my family wasn't into it. They weren't entrepreneurs, anything like that. And so um, it's really just come from watching a couple people do it and just having a baseline interest in investing in general. Um, but 13 years ago, my wife and I bought our first home, lived in it about a year and a half. And then when we moved out, we didn't sell it. We chose to make it a rental. Um, no, I didn't have a mentor. I, you didn't have all the podcasts and YouTube videos and all that to tell you how to do it. So I don't know that I did it well, but um, we had that one rental then uh, for a long, long, long time. Um, so that was kind of the first step into it. But then I didn't do anything else real estate wise until about 2015. So everything that I've really done, um, like purposefully done in real estate investing has been in about the last five years. And I guess I chose to start doing that um, primarily just for, uh, to have a safety net. I think a lot of people get into investing uh, because, you know, they think that the landlords want to have all the money or live this posh lifestyle or things like that. But um, we're blessed that I get to go to work and my wife can stay home with the kids, but I wanted something kind of as a safety net in case the job ever went away. Sure. So, okay. So you started out with a buy and hold. How did your first, um, 
Hedrick, what was your first investment, uh, like your, you know, first intentional investment besides yeah. that one? Like where you said, all right, I'm going to start jumping into investing. What was your first vehicle there? Yep. When I decided to get intentional about it in 2015, you know, I had the one rental and it was doing okay. Um, so I decided that we'd, we'd flip a property. You know, you see it on HGTV, you know, and it, it's a piece of cake, right? Everyone can do it and they always make money and, and all of that. Um, so I decided I wanted to try it at least once. Um, and my goal was uh, to at least break even. As long as I didn't lose money, if I could break even, my thought was, you know, just the education or the experience of going through it one time would be of value. Um, so we did a simple flip and I wound up netting about $9,000 at the end, which I was elated with. I bet. That's great. Um, so um, what would you do differently if you like, you know, looking back at your first one, what would you do differently if you had it to do over again? Sure. Sure. Um, I learned a couple things on that first flip. Um, I learned that, um, you know, on the first one, I used my family a lot. My dad came to help. My uncle came to help, uh, which is great. Um, it's, it's nice if you're going to do some of those projects occasionally. Um, it makes it very difficult to scale a business that way. Now, at that point, it wasn't a business, right? I'm at a point now where my family couldn't keep up with me, even if, even if they wanted to. Um, so that was probably the biggest lesson I learned. I, the other lesson that I learned is at that point, once I exited that property, I had then done one rental, I had done one flip and this should be intuitive, but when it, when it, what I realized is when the flip is over, the money's gone, you know, you might make a good chunk of money, but flipping is a job. And when you stop working that job, the money goes with it, as opposed to this one rental that I still had and was still slowly building equity and slowly cash flowing and not big amounts, but I could go to sleep at night and wake up, you know, a few dollars better off the next day. And so that was kind of the light bulb that told me I want more buy and hold real estate. Okay. So, you know, as you've been growing your portfolio and obviously you have a demanding full-time job, um, what are some of the challenges that you experience, like trying to grow, trying to do both? Sure, sure. You know, I think um, the simplest answer is time management, you know, like you referenced earlier, you know, busy guy and stay on the go all the time. And, and I've had to learn um, to pace myself a little bit, you know, just because I can work 12 or 14 or 16 or 18 hours a day doesn't mean that my family can sustain that. And so I've had to learn to pace myself a little bit. Um, you know, challenges, will, each property kind of comes with its own challenge. And I think as you grow and evolve as an investor, you know, your mindset will shift and you'll, you'll think about, you know, what do I really want from this investing? Cause it, it will evolve as you grow and evolve. Um, you know, and of course, then the market will also introduce different challenges at different times, depending on whether in a peak or in a valley. Um, so I don't know. The challenges will come and go, but time management's probably been my my number one, and continues to this day to to kind of be the linchpin. So, what? Speaking of you know, talking about growing and evolving. So, what's the next step in your investment career? It's a good question. I think um, I think it's really important to understand why you're investing. Like, what is your why, right? And when I started out, it was to create a security blanket. Wasn't trying to get rich. Just if my job went away, I wanted to put food on the table. Well, what I learned is that if I continue to do this over time, this could be a significant retirement plan. And so my why 
kind of shifted from just security into, um, you know, retirement, uh, basically my own retirement plan. Um, and now it, it kind of continues to evolve to where I love doing my day job. I have no intentions of changing that anytime soon, but it's slowly getting to the point where, you know, I might have a choice in the next five or 10 years, something like that. And so, mm -hmm. you know, my, my why behind it kind of changes and, um, I, remind me what, what the core of the question was again. Oh, it was just, uh, I said, what's the next step in your investment career? And then you also kind of oh. started to answer what was the ultimate goal of your real estate investing, which it sounds like, you know, is progressing towards the retirement portfolio. Yeah. So to answer your question about what the next step is, I think, I think the challenge really is to see, I never thought my real estate would investing would ever be anywhere close to what my W2 income would be, um, nor would I want to do it full time. And I'm, I'm still not there yet. Um, but it's interesting to kind of model it out and say, you know, okay, in five years and 10 years and 15 years, if I wanted to pivot or I needed to pivot because or real estate changes, it just, it's created more options for me. So that's, that's kind of what I'm exploring right now. Just seeing what the landscape might look like on a five to 10 year plan. So, and you mentioned, uh, your apartment syndication, how'd you get started out of state? Sure. That's a really good question. Um, so Whitehaven Capital is, is made up of, of a handful of us, but there are two primary sponsors and they are Ben and Sam. And I've known Ben for quite a while. Ben was here in Lima, Ohio. Um, he did some teaching, some education. And so years ago, I mean, probably 2014, 2015, I signed up for some of his courses and I had the pleasure of driving over, meeting him a few times and just kind of hit it off. So now that he's relocated um, to his market of choice where they want to do large multifamily, um, it has made sense to be, um, you know, with that group. And, and there's a lot of reasons I could tell you why Phoenix makes sense for us, but that's at least how we got started on that front. Yeah. Ben's a OG of the bigger pockets community as well. Yeah. I've been listening yeah. to him for a long time. Some of those early ones when they were just kind of bantering, those were, those were great interviews. Yep. Um, so what are some of the challenges with out-of-state investing? I know a lot of people, I'm sure when they hear that, it's like they can't drive and go see it. You know, you have to trust people that you, you can't meet face-to-face. -face. Like what have some of the challenges been? Sure. Um, boy, it's, it's, there are a lot of them. I mean, it's investing out-of-state is um, just a whole different layer of complexity. Like you said, you can't go visit it. For example, mm -hmm. I, um, I try to get out to Phoenix maybe every four to five months, something like that. But with COVID-19, I haven't been out there since, boy, maybe November. I think November was the last time I was out there. So I'm kind of chomping at the bit. It's been close to a year. Um, you know, I think um, the, the real key to investing uh, in a different city is the team that you can build. Um, and, you know, the, the stronger the team that you have, the less <laughs> sleep you'll lose at night. Um, I think it's really important to, of course, not only build that team, but have the ability and the capacity to set really clear expectations. So, you know, if you're just doing a single flip outside or outside of your city or out of state, you know, you need to be able to tell your contractor ahead of time, you know, here is your very specific scope of work. Here is the quality that I expect. You know, here are when your draws are going to be, you know, once you've done 25% of the work, 50% of the work, um, and my expectation is that, 
you know, Mondays and Thursdays, you're going to send me these 20 photographs as an update, you know, and as long as you set expectations up ahead of time um, and get everything in writing, you know, those, you kind of need that structure since you can't go see it yourself. So what did your team look like? I mean, not to go too far in depth, but for yeah. someone who's thinking like, I don't even know what that setup would look like, like how, what's a quick overview of your team? Well, so there's probably two answers to this question. There's probably an, an answer for an investor who wants to have one or two rentals or, or start building a portfolio. And then there's my answer, because in Phoenix, it's very specifically a multifamily apartment syndication. So for the small time landlord, I think you need a couple of, a couple of core things. You probably need a lawyer from that state. You probably, if it's a title company state, a state that uses title companies instead of lawyers, you'll, you'll want to have one of those title companies ready to assist. Um, a, a couple of good contractors or at least a list of names that you can reach out to, um, be they plumbers, electricians, things like that. I think it's essential that you get involved in the local real estate investors association in whatever community that is, because that really is your... Um, your pool of peers to reach out to when you get stuck. Um, and, you know, if you plan to use a realtor, um, some investors love working with realtors, others, not so much. Um, mm -hmm. I, I have my real estate license and I deeply appreciate working with realtors. Some of my best deals have come um, from realtors that have brought deals to me. So um, I always encourage investors not to discount the value of having a good realtor. Um, as far as the apartment syndication side, you know, that's at that level, you're really talking about bringing professional asset management in and, and kind of large corporate entities. Um, you know, you're not going to get a contractor. You're probably looking at a contracting company um, to come in and, and do your remodels and things like that. So it really is on a, a, a whole different level. And so what are some of the advantages? I mean, we talked about some of the challenges. What are some of the advantages to out-of-state investing? Um, okay. So it's, that's a really, really good question. Um, you know, you and I are blessed cause we're right here in Fort Wayne and Fort mm -hmm. Wayne for the last two years, three years, maybe even four years has been on like this top 10 best investment cities uh, on everyone's list, whether it's bigger pockets or whatever form you go and look at, you know, we're, we're there with, you know, Grand Rapids and Buffalo, New York and Milwaukee's real strong. And there are these others, but we're fortunate because we, have it right here in our backyard. Um, and that's kind of what I've cut my teeth on. And I'll continue to invest right here because I believe in Fort Wayne and, and the things that are happening. Um, the flip side of that is, is if you're in a market where it just doesn't make sense to invest, let's say you're in San Francisco right now, there isn't a property in the city that you can buy that's going to cash flow well, maybe, maybe big apartments or commercial real estate, but just to buy a single family home you can't make rents high enough to justify purchasing a $750,000 house, right? The mm -hmm. rents would just have to be insane. So if you're in one of those markets or just a market where it's not a great cash flow market and you're looking for rentals, or if you're trying to look for flips and your market's just not conducive to it, then you look for one of these communities like Fort Wayne or Dayton, Ohio, or you know, Grand Rapids, something like that. And so I think it, you kind of have to look at your own market first and ask yourself, okay, what kind of, what kind of real estate do I want to do? Does it work in my market? And if it does, great. If it doesn't, then you start looking at other markets and for people who can help you. 
Yeah, and I found one of the advantages. So, you know, I used to live in Orlando, as you know, and I bought an Airbnb house over by Lakeside Park. And I found that one of the best things was I had to have systems and I had to have other people, you know, where I'm the type of person where if something would break or something would go wrong, I would love to just run over and fix it. Well, I couldn't do that. So I, I found that when things went wrong while it was stressful because I couldn't always see it, uh, I had to trust and empower others to help me. And I found that I could still stay focused on my bread and butter career while, you know, not letting these things derail me, like, or like trying to mow the lawn to save a couple bucks myself or doing something like that. So I feel like that's also something that people should consider to, in my opinion, you know, just get, it kind of forces your hand on not tricking yourself into thinking you're saving money when really you're just costing yourself time that you could have done something else with. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I'm, I'm that guy where, you know, if the property is vacant, I want to go over and mow it. I want to make sure that if it needs clean, we're cleaning it. And, and I can't tell you how many hours I've spent. I don't want to say wasted, but spent doing $15 an hour tasks when I need to be spending my time on $1,500 an hour tasks, you know, looking for the next deal or networking with people. Um, and I lost a lot of traction in my early years because I just like getting my hands dirty. I don't mind pulling weeds and I don't mind spreading mulch and cleaning up garbage. And, um, but that's, that's not what I'm in this for. I got into it to invest. And that's just, you know, if you're going to be waist deep in it, then you just have another job. And it, you're right. Investing out of town forces you to understand this is an investment and I'm going to lean on other people. Absolutely. So, okay. Kind of transitioning to the Fort Wayne Ria. So, Obviously, we've discussed you have a lot going on. You've got your portfolio. You've got a busy day job. Why did you want to start the Fort Wayne Real Estate Investment Association? Sure, sure. So we've been doing it about three years, almost exactly. Um, the first year, I um, I kind of ran it on my own. Um, and then uh, I have to give a shout out to Adam Beckstead, who's a good friend of mine, who has really helped me take it to the next level, lots of fresh ideas. Um, and he's, I'm just, I'm grateful for his participation, but I decided to do it because like I mentioned, I didn't have a mentor. Um, I was listening to the podcasts and reading and all that, but I didn't have someone that I could, you know, a circle of friends that I can say, here's my problem. How do I help remedy this? Right. So Mm -hmm. there are some smaller groups here in town. Um, I spent some time there. I learned some things, but I got to the point where, some of the advice that was coming out of those groups, I didn't feel was very ethical at all. Um, some of it was downright illegal. And, and so I started to understand why landlord gets a bad name, right? If this is the advice that we're giving out. Um, so that was probably the first driver is there's gotta be a way to network with people and to invest and to do it ethically and to teach it ethically, right? So that was the first thing. Um, the second thing is I didn't understand why I needed to pay money just to hang out and talk to people. You know, there's nothing evil about paying memberships to a local RIA or anything like that, but it just didn't resonate with me. So we have a couple guiding principles at the Fort Wayne RIA, um, but one of them is that we're always going to educate on ethical landlording and investing. And when we hear things that don't quite make sense, we're going to respectfully call each other out on them. Um, and I think we've really done a nice job of, of staying true to that. Um, you know, one of the other guiding principles is for as long as we possibly can, it'll be free for anyone who wants to come. There's no specific memberships, you know, as long as you're willing to um, participate and be respectful of your peers and all that, then the more the merrier. Yeah. I think that's one of my favorite things about you guys is, you know, you're not there to sell. 
like you're there to promote networking and doing the right thing. And that like really resonated with me because I almost feel like I'm trying to do the same thing just on the real estate sales side. You know, you see so much stuff go on that I just, it really bothers me. And so when I see someone going out of their way to, I mean, you're busy enough that you could just turn a blind eye and not worry about any of that stuff. And I love that you guys really try to set the tone and put a good face on landlording and show what it should be and what it could be. Um, so, okay. So you mentioned Adam, how'd you get connected with him? You know, I had, uh, I had seen and gotten to meet him at some of the, the smaller groups. And so we were kind of aware of each other. Um, I kicked the new group off and he and his wife were one of the first ones. I think we had 25 or maybe 30 people at the first meeting and um, they were just at every single one of them. Um, and he approached me actually and said, hey, if you ever need help, um, I'm more than willing to help with whatever you need. And it'd be good for me to grow as an individual and in public speaking and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I was a little reluctant at first because admittedly, it's not that I have to have control over everything, but I had a very specific vision and um, it's tough to start um, handing, you know, precious things that you really love, you know, bringing other people into it. And, uh, but man, I'm grateful I did. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of going through the same thing right now. I just started a new real estate team and you have to learn to trust. Luckily I've done it before, but still there is that leap of faith that they're going to continue and keep, you know, the mission, even if you're not there, you're not the one doing it. So sure. um who would you say the RIA is for? Would you say it's for newbies, seasoned investors, kind of everybody? Like who, who's the target there? Who do you want to invite? Sure. You know, we try to keep it very open. Um, you know, of course, more, more and more people uh, want to learn about real estate. So I feel like we get a lot of new investors, a lot of newbies who come in. Um, of course, mm -hmm. we have a lot of veterans who've been doing it 20, 25, 30 years, maybe longer. Um, and we're grateful that they're uh, come into the meeting because they bring a lot of wisdom and insight. Um, you know, the challenge to me and to Adam is to find a balance between uh, providing something for the veterans so they don't get bored or at least providing them a venue where they can share their knowledge. Um, but then sometimes keeping it basic enough where there's enough for the new folks to come in and have it be worth their while. Um, and depending on the topic that we choose for the evening, sometimes it's very advanced and we'll tell you up front, hey, here are the 10 definitions you need to know. We're probably going to knock your socks off, but come talk to us afterwards and, and meet a few people. Um, but this is going to be kind of an advanced night versus some other nights where we say, hey, we're going back to basics because from talking to you guys, we hear you want to learn about X, Y, and Z. And these are simple concepts. So we're going to do something basic. So we, we try to cater a little bit to everybody, but like I mentioned before, it's an open invitation. Sure. And, and so speaking of that, how does someone get involved? Like if, you know, someone's watching this right now and they want to get into real estate investing and learn more, how does someone get involved in the RIA? Sure. Great question. I, the first thing that I would tell folks to do is to, we have a Facebook group um, and it seems like everyone has their Facebook group today, but um, yeah. we, we put a lot of love and care into this Facebook group. Um, if you search on Facebook, just Fort Wayne Real Estate Investors Association, we should pop right up. And when you request to join, there are three questions that you have to answer. None of them are terribly difficult, but if you don't answer all three in a week, we punch you out. Um, there's a lot of people who just want to come in and kind of kick the tires. And um, we want to make sure that the people who are there are engaged. So jump in, answer the questions. And then from there, um, you can search that Facebook page, whether you need a plumber, whether you need a realtor, whether you're trying to figure out um, 
taxes. I mean, you can search any key term and you'll find three years worth of very market specific information. Um, the other nice thing about being part of that Facebook group then is when we do have our events, um, when we have our monthly meeting, you'll see it pop up there and should receive invitations and things to come to that meeting, which we host our meetings on the first Wednesday of every month from 6.30 to 8.30. And we've been able to keep with that. I don't think we've missed a single one since we started, which has been fun. Yeah, and you guys are doing Zoom now, correct? Just so everyone knows we're not. We are. It's, they had been live events before, um, but due to COVID, uh, we've converted to Zoom calls. Um, and there are pros and cons to that. There have been, I, I really did not want to do that at all. I wanted mm -hmm. to keep it live because there's just a lot of energy. There's a, um, you know, to be in that room and be able to ask questions live in that, in that time is, is fantastic. Um, but Zoom has also shown me, you know, there's a lot of things we can do just, you know, sharing screens and um, inviting different guests who might be out of town, things like that, uh, that have been really nice. So for now, um, we're still on Zoom. Um, I'm hoping to get back in person, you know, hopefully in, in the weeks and months to come. Sure. Um, so what would you say uh, you're most proud of with the RIA? Like what's one thing about it that you're just like, this, this makes me proud that I did this? Yeah, yeah. You know, um, two, two answers I'll give to you. The, the first is, you know, it, it always feels like work when you're building up to it. You're, you know, you're building the event and you're trying to create content and you're inviting guests and all that. And it, it kind of feels like it's work, right? It is work. Um, mm -hmm. But man, you get there and by the end of it, like I'm just on such an energy high, like it is my favorite night of the month without question. So it's, it's always worth it on that front. Um, let me see. What was the question again? Uh, what, what are you most proud of? Most proud of. Yep. Thank you. Um, what I'm most proud of uh, has really come in this last year um, because again, we've been doing it three years, right? So we've had some people who've been there from the beginning who had zero experience in real estate. They just had a baseline interest. And now all of a sudden, um, some of these young up and comers are just popping deals off, you know, left and right. Um, and in a very competitive, very tough Fort Wayne market right now. Um, so I, it's almost like, you know, I'm the mama hen and the chicks are starting to leave the nest, you know, um, but it's, you know, if, that's what the group is for is to help people get uh, the answers that they need, the tools that they need to go out and be successful. And now that some of those folks are really starting to knock it out of the park, I'm, I'm really excited to see. Yeah. I love that answer. That was, I kind of wanted to highlight the RIA in that regard, because I think, you know, as we were talking beforehand, I think when there's people that want to get into it, there's a lot of noise out there and sometimes people can get bad advice or be taken advantage of. And I'm, my goal is to try to start, you know, I want to get people to listen to this, to come into the RIA group and, and listen and learn and start to network with people who are doing it the right way. Um, so some of the challenges, I mean, we talked about, you know, the market's competitive. There's a lot of ego. There's a lot of different people with different agendas. What have been some of the challenges with hosting this? Some of the challenges, you know, like we, we talked about, we want to host a, a very ethical group. We want to teach people that, um, you know, we, we invest to make money, of course, right? But if you're going to invest, you don't ever want to do it at someone else's expense, right? And there are some landlords out there, uh, and I say landlords, but investors, they might not be landlords, people who flip or, you know, wholesalers or realtors or whoever. There are some folks out there who will take advantage of folks um, to be able to get a leg up. And 
Um, or maybe, you know, they'll create a partnership with someone and the partnership just goes sour because of just bad behavior, things like that. And so we've had to go to some of those individuals and say, we want everyone to be here, but your reputation precedes you. And we're trying to be something different than what you're known for in this community. So we'd love to have you back. If you can clean up your act and kind of show the community that you've turned the corner. Uh, but for now, you can't be here because that's not what we're about. And those, those have been probably the toughest things that I've had to do is have those one-on-one -on -one kind of confrontational um, conversations. We haven't had to have it much, but um, as tough as they are, I'm glad that we've had them because it maintains the integrity of what we're trying to go after. Absolutely. And, and it is unfortunately part of the business, you know, when there's no one person in charge of an industry, there's a lot of stuff that can go on. So I, I appreciate you doing that. Uh, especially with all that you have going on. So uh, last question on the RIA, but what's, what's your vision uh, for the future of the RIA? Like, where do you see it going? What do you see? How do you see it progressing over time? No, that's a great question. You know, I think one of the things that I personally really love about it, I didn't mention this before, but one of our guiding principles is this, it's not a pitch fest, right? You're not going to be coming sold on anything. Um, we have had some vendors come in, like I'll give you an example. Lumber Liquidators does uh, flooring here. I mean, they're a national chain, but here in Fort Wayne, a lot of folks use them and their name just kept coming up and up and we'd recommend them. And so we invited them to come and just be part of the evening so that people could connect and, and go about it that way. But we don't, um, you know, we don't have speakers come in and try to sell you a, a $5,000 educational course. You know, mm -hmm. um, it, that's just not what we're about. There are other groups who do that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with it. It's just not us. Um, so we're going to continue on that path. Um, I'd like to start inviting in more guests, um, people who are really, really good at what they do. And, and we've had some guests, but I'd like to do more. Um, the real question for me as to, you know, what does the future look like for the group? Um, as, as the investment market continues to get hotter and hotter and hotter. And again, Fort Wayne's been on every list, right? So our group just grows and grows and grows and grows. What I know will happen is when, an, when a market cools down or an economy as a whole cools down or crashes or, you know, whatever's on the horizon, our group will contract and, and shrink quite a bit. You know, right now we'll have a hundred plus people at our meetings every month, which is a lot. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if we see it shrink if the economy starts to cool down. Um, so Adam and I spent some time thinking about, you know, if it stays big, how do we accommodate that? If it starts to shrink down, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, you know, what does it look like that way? So I don't know. I think the next six to 12 to 18 months could be very telling, but it, sure. we, we plan to keep rolling on it just because the feedback that we get seems to be so positive. Well, just so you know, yeah, I was just going to say, just so you know, I've had a lot of private conversations and, 100% of the people I talk to have had nothing but good things to say about you guys and just the group as a whole. So definitely appreciate the work you're doing. Um, Thank you. So kind of shifting gears, obviously with coronavirus going on, I just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on a few things. Um, with your portfolio, have you had anybody um, missing rent payments? Are you guys doing okay with coronavirus? Me personally, I think I've been very, very fortunate. Um, I wouldn't say lucky, um, but we, we really haven't missed any payments. I think we might've had a couple of late ones, but we really haven't missed any payments. Now, me personally, I tend to keep 
um, relatively nice rentals that draw um, a pretty strong tenant base. Um, I also have property managers that I know screen very rigorously. Um, now, if someone loses a job because of COVID, you know, screening isn't necessarily going to help that. But um, I know there are some landlords who kind of put whoever they want into their rentals and some have struggled. Um, I'm, I'm very fortunate though that we, we haven't seen a dip yet. That's great. So uh, it's funny, I prepared this question a long time ago. It said evictions were on hold, then the moratorium expired. And then last week, Trump extended, the Trump administration extended the moratorium on evictions. I'm guessing just punting that till post-election. Yeah. Um, yep. You know, it, it, to me, it kind of seems like as it stands right now that landlords are kind of get caught holding the bag. Um, yep. I'm assuming there's something that has got to be in the works in some sort of relief. Um, but if you had the government here, you had some sort of authority, what would you do or recommend to help landlords? Well, that's a really good question. Uh, it's a tough one. I know it's a tough one. Well, it's, it's kind of conflicting for me personally, because I believe, uh, you know, government's important. We need to have government, but I'm kind of a small government guy. Uh, mm -hmm. So I would tell you that the onus should be more on the landlord to be prepared for such a time as this. Um, you know, there, the moratoriums definitely help to protect um, the, the tenant, which is okay. I, people need places to live and, and good landlords should be appreciative of that. Um, it would be nice to see some support coming for the landlords. Um, but if you've been involved in our group in the last six months, uh, let's even say 12 months, Adam and I have been very clear about the economies at the top. It may go up a little bit more, but it's never been this high. So when it's this high, you need to be working on your cash reserves and preparing for a downturn in the market. Now, none of us, of course, knew that it was going to be COVID related, mm -hmm. but we talked a lot about Now's the time for lines of credit. Now's the time to save those dollars and be able to ride out the storm. Um, so I'm not opposed to legislation or things that might help landlords. I know some people that would really benefit from that. Um, but if you're kicking around getting into buy and hold real estate, I would tell you, you need to always be ready to cover at least six months worth of all your expenses with no income coming in. Okay. So you keep it pretty conservative and you keep a lot of cash on hand and try to get higher margin deals then? Is that how you protect yourself? You know, I, I didn't at the beginning, um, but I'm glad that in the last 12 to 18 months, I've kind of pivoted and focused more on, um, I've been less aggressive about finding the best deals and more aggressive about building up some cash reserves. Now I haven't okay. had to dip into them, but if the economy slips even further, I might have to. And, and, that is what it is. As long as you're prepared for it, then you should be fine. Sure. Okay. So kind of, we've, we've touched on this a little bit. I want to um, finish up kind of talking about Fort Wayne specifically, because I, you know, having lived in Orlando, I have a lot of friends that watch this that are in Orlando and have been interested in investing here. And then obviously a lot of people that live here that, you know, still want to know, um, you know, why, why do you think Fort Wayne is a good market to invest right now? Sure right now as opposed to in years past or just what's my take on the market today? Um, I'd say what's your take on the market today? Cause as you know, for those who don't know, um, 
you know, the, I feel like the market was kind of stagnant for years and then all of a sudden has just taken off these last two years due to lack of inventory. Yeah. Yeah. I think, no, I think that's a fantastic assessment. And I'll give you an example that first rental that I had uh, for like the past 13 years that my wife and I lived in and moved out of very stagnant. I bought it for 110 over 10 years. It appreciated maybe $4,000, $5,000, you know, Midwest real estate just doesn't appreciate. However, in the last 24 months, it shot up to being a $160,000 house. Um, and that tells you the Fort Wayne market has changed dramatically. Um, so I, I wound up selling that house while, while the market was high. Um, okay. My take on the Fort Wayne market, I think it's been very, very popular and justifiably. So, uh, two or three years ago, um, you could find deals in the MLS. You can find them on all the auction sites. Um, you could go to the sheriff's sale. Uh, and, you know, if you could fog a mirror, you could make a rental work in Fort Wayne. Um, I think there are still plenty of opportunities to invest in Fort Wayne, um, but it is different today than it was even 12 months ago or 24 months ago. Now um, it helps if you can find, you know, those pocket listings with realtors or, um, perhaps market directly to motivated sellers. Um, it, it is more difficult today to find an MLS listing that makes sense as a rental as it did before. However, when you find that deal, the, the shortage of housing is, is significant. And that's not just for buying, that's for rentals as well. I probably get three messages a day saying, hey, I need a three bedroom, two bath and this zip code and I'm desperate. Like you tell me what you'll charge and I'll, and I'll pay it. And the reality is, is I, I have zero vacancy. Every single building that I own is full. And if I could rent to some of these newer folks that could pay more, I'd consider it. But I've got great tenants who they're not leaving because they know that there's just no place else to go. Um, so that's kind of the reality I guess I see in Fort Wayne. Are you, are you curious to know where I think it's going? Uh, yeah, that's, I mean, that my, one of my questions was, um, do you think we're in a bubble right now? So I think, um, I think bubbles probably an extreme word. Um, I think it's, you have, you have local considerations and you have national considerations, right? The economy as a whole, if you talk to bankers, right? Bankers are stockpiling money because the metrics and the numbers and everything is telling them that it's time for a correction. And when the banks are making it uh, harder to get loans and they're stockpiling their cash, you should probably be doing the same thing. So in 08, when we saw massive uh, fallout um, and, and the recession hit, um, you know, the, the country as a whole hurt, but it was really some of those bubble markets, your San Diego's and your New York and uh, San Francisco, where they just tanked, right? Um, my rental property just kept renting and I had no changes in vacancy. Um, now again, it was a nice house and, and it has always commanded a nice tenant. I, I know that we saw things slow down for sure. Um, maybe rents decreased. Um, but the point I'm getting at is the Midwest tends to be far more resilient than the coasts or some of the major metropolitan areas. So I do think we should be cautious and mindful. We don't want to overpay for properties right now by any means. Um, but if you're asking if, if Fort Wayne is still a place where I'm putting my money, absolutely. I've, in 2020, I think we've added 
seven or eight buy and holds to the portfolio because if it's a good deal, I know that uh, even if there's market fallout, I don't think it will completely drop out. Okay. What's your take on flipping right now? Obviously it's in vogue and there's cheap money flying around and it's just this, you know, everybody wants to tell their friends they flipped a house. Yeah. Um, you think there's still opportunity to flip here? I think there is still opportunity to flip. If you can find a good deal, you know, it's going to sell. I mean, yeah. the, the last couple of houses that I flipped, I never even put them on the market. I just told a couple of people and they were gone. Um, and I think that's going to continue for a little while until I don't think we'll see market fallout until after the election. And even still probably not till first or second quarter of next year, but that's just my guess. Um, flipping does scare me though. I, I see a lot of people who have been flipping in my market in the last year or two, and they just, they've been able to push the value and push the value and push the value and they're getting there. And all of a sudden we're starting to see appraisals that are coming up short, which I think is a good thing The you know, appraisers are there to make sure that the market doesn't run away and balloon too much. Um, mm -hmm. But there are a couple of people getting stuck with these flips and this is in a really good market, a very high demand market. So I think if you're going to flip, you need to make sure that you buy at a smart discount and you need to be modest in what you're listing your flips for. If you're shooting for 30 grand over what you could have got two months ago, you might sit on it for a little while. That's what I've seen from, from some of my peers. Okay. I think that's great advice. And then what would you tell a new investor, someone who's either looking to do buy and hold or you know, we kind of touched on flipping, what would you caution and brand new uh, investor in Fort Wayne to watch out for? Like what, what should they make? How can they avoid mistakes knowing that the market's getting hotter? Yeah, really good question. I, I tell all the new investors, some people say, should I jump in now? Should I wait until the economy comes down? I, I don't know that you should wait until the economy comes down. If you find a good deal, I would tell you to buy it. It's still a very strong market, especially here in Fort Wayne. But what I would tell you to do is jump into the local RIA, get to know some people and bounce that deal off of three to five people. Because what is a good deal to Drew might be a terrible deal for Jake, you know, and vice versa. Everyone's different, you know, so it's good to have mentors. It's good to have people to give you advice, but ask advice of a couple of different individuals. And as long as the majority say this makes sense because it has good fundamentals, then I would move forward with it. If you get four out of five people that tell you, Oh, you might want to pump the brakes, then I would listen to them. Sure. I think that's excellent. That's excellent advice. So, Okay. Well, this has been amazing. Um, I wrap every interview up. I like uh, to highlight Fort Wayne as much as I can. What's your, personally, what's your favorite thing about living in Fort Wayne? So my family landed here when I was 13. Uh, and then, of course I left for college, but for the most part, I've, I've been in Fort Wayne the whole time. When I was a teenager, uh, we didn't go downtown. It's not that it was super dangerous, but there wasn't much to do. And we're down there all the time now. I think um, the revitalization of downtown is, is astounding. And you could point to one or two things that might be your favorite, but you can just, you can go down there and, you know, mosey all over downtown and see lots of different things and the, just the variety and the restaurants. It's, it's incredible. We've never had anything like it. And I, uh, I hope that it has the staying power because it's, it really is a good time and it's helped the city, I think, immensely. 
Yeah, I saw a couple weeks back, I remember you were downtown on a Saturday and you said something like, if you can't have a good time, you're not trying or some, something like yeah. that. And I was actually downtown that same day and I was blown away because I was um, with a bachelor party. So we were kind of bouncing around and there was people yeah. everywhere. There was, I mean, every bar was full. There was people hanging outside, enjoying the weather, bike rides. It was, it was awesome. And I, I'm, I'm on board with you. I hope we can keep this momentum going. So yeah. Sure. Um, well, Drew, thank you, man. This is uh, this has been great. Um, I think we did exactly what I wanted to do, which was you know highlight the kind of person you are, and you know let people know kind of who's the face of the RIA and what what it stands for. So definitely, thanks for your time tonight. I appreciate it. Hey, you're very welcome. I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely, we'll do it again soon, hopefully. Yep. All right. See ya.